technology working. Um, let me add my welcome to you. Great to see uh, old faces and new. It's uh, very, very exciting and positive for us to be gathering again. Uh, frankly, for the first time uh, in a long time since before COVID, we, are, we feel like we're getting back to normal. Matthew chapter 6, we've got to, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read to you from verse 19. These are Jesus' words. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray for a moment, shall we? Our loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the words of Jesus. Thank you for the way in which Jesus' teaching has shaped the whole of history, the whole of our world, every um, culture and nation has been touched by this teaching. And indeed, individual lives have been transformed out of all recognition because they heard your teaching and it settled deeply on their hearts. I want to pray, Lord, for every single one of us here. Whether we've known you for many years or do not know you at all, that by the power of your spirit, Lord, you would speak to us and that as we hear you speak, Lord, that it would settle on our hearts in a way that we cannot resist, in a way that must lead to response, in a way that will set us free. Lord, you can do that by your power, and we pray for that this morning. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Alongside um, <clears throat> love, money was the soundtrack of my youth. I was assured that although money can't buy you love, it certainly makes the world go round. 
I was told that the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and the bees. I want money. Your love gives me such a thrill, but your love won't pay my bills. I want money. Money, it's a gas. Grab that cash with both hands and make a stash. And I gather that more recently, everyone from uh, Biggie Small and Jay-Z to Rihanna and uh, Destiny's Child have continued that theme. Though, as the elderly art critic might say, say I'm not entirely familiar with their body of work. <coughs> Money, it seems, can't buy some things, but it can get you an enormous amount. Politicians all agree that, that money is at the center of life, even if they disagree about how it should be managed. Those on the left focus on the redistribution of money. Those on the right uh, focus on free markets. But one thing they all agree at, about, money makes the world go round. No wonder then that Jesus called money by a very special name in verse 24 when he says, you cannot serve both God and money. In the NIV, that word money is capitalized. And for a reason, it actually translates an old um, word that in older translations was just transliterated as mammon. It's a description of money as a God. Money is where people find security. Money is where people uh, believe that they will find joy. Money is where people um, look for provision. And so, says Jesus, in people's minds, money performs the function of a God. It is the God mammon. It is to be worshipped. And it's also no wonder that Jesus devotes a whole section of this Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying and will, studying and will continue to study to the subject of money. The, the Sermon on the Mount rightly serves as, a, as an absolute centerpiece of the essence of Jesus' teaching, which we find throughout the Gospels, but here concentrated in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And if you've followed it with us and uh, I know a large proportion of uh, those of us here won't have done. We began looking at the beginning of Matthew 5 at the Beatitudes. Blessed or happy is the person who says Jesus. In the light of God's rule says Jesus this is how to be happy. And there are all kinds of paradoxical things we haven't got time to to go into there because those who are poor in spirit find happiness. Those who are meek find happiness and, uh, and so on. Then in the latter part of Matthew 5, uh, Jesus moved on to a, a practical application of that, particularly in our interactions with the lives of others. And uh, you could glance through it. You'll see he talks about anger and lust and in integrity with others in, in the way that we speak and justice and love. It is all about how we relate to one another. But in Matthew 6, it starts to, to focus in on, on us as individuals. It's 
why we've called this, this part of our series the renovation of the heart. It is, it is about how a human being can, can find their heart transformed to be more the kind of person that we were made to be. And Jesus began that section with talking about prayer. Then last week we saw, um, uh, perhaps to the surprise of uh, modern Westerners, or at least a lot of them, he moved on to fasting. And now he is on money. If our hearts are going to be renewed and restored, Jesus is, has been saying, we need to learn to pray. We need to fast. Go back to James's sermon from last week. And we need to learn how to handle money. Be careful, says Jesus, first of all, where you invest. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Anyone with any sense stores up treasure to a certain extent. Children save their pocket money. Young wage earners save for a deposit on the house or to buy a car or whatever it is. As we move on through life, we save for our, our pension plans. Treasure, treasure is a security for us. Treasure, treasure ensures that uh, we are, um, are safe in the future. But then Jesus says to us, not so fast. Moth and vermin easily destroy, he says. Moths damage fabric. Vermin destroys foodstocks. In other words, the, the things that are so precious to you, the things that you consume, the things that protect you, they can be gone in a moment. Thieves can break in and steal. People can behave in ways that you can't control that will rob you of that security, that promise of comfort, the, those, those things that you've invested in, he says. Our modern world tries very, very hard to persuade us that that is not, not true. Pesticides, oil and gas, they will keep us fed and clothed and uh, housed, we are told. Market reg regulation will um, uh, lead to an inevitable rise of, the, uh, uh, of stocks and shares and preserve our treasure. Until that is um, a minor fluctuation of HGV, uh, numbers of HGV drivers sends us all into a panic about uh, petrol in our cars or until a mutation in a well-known and hitherto benign virus kills millions of people and wipes trillions of dollars off world stock exchanges. Anxiety and fear about our future is all around us and for good reason. We're not as secure as we think. And there is no planet B 
fact that Jesus has been warning us for 2,000 years that our naive confidence was always misplaced. And he's been giving us a message which is better than Greta's. There is a place called heaven. There is a life beyond this life. There is a future beyond the grave. And beyond whatever apocalypse we visit upon ourselves in the way that we treat the world. There is a promise of a new heaven and a new earth. No, Jesus joins the chorus of those who are shouting very loudly that we are in trouble. But not to induce panic. To encourage us to think again about whether there may be a place where moth and vermin and thieves cannot rob us of our eternal security, our eternal joy, our eternal comfort, our eternal satisfaction. Whether there might indeed be a place he calls heaven. No, of course, everyone needs some money. We are wise to invest in a pension plan. We need a house to live in. There was a tradition in the early stages of the church that involved renouncing everything in response to, to these verses and in extreme cases going and sitting on, on the, uh, the top of a pole in the, in the desert. But that, that kind of ridiculous renunciation is not what Jesus is talking about. We need bread. We need homes. And if we are going to live beyond the period when we can earn a living, we need to make sure that, the, that we can make ends meet with a pension. But beyond that, we do not need treasure in this world. And beyond that, he says, the accumulation of wealth, the constant hunger that we have for more and more and more is not only wrong, it is foolish, he says. He once told a story about a man who'd had a great harvest and decided that he would pull down his barns and build bigger ones and uh, eat, drink, and be merry. And God's verdict on him was, you fool. This night your life will be demanded of you. We are fools, said C.S. Lewis. People dabbling around with little temporary and uh, uh, ephemeral pleasures. when eternal secure joy is there offered to us.
yesterday I met a man um, who I just a little bit for a short time invested in and encouraged him as a believer. It may have been as long as nearly 20 years ago. And he has gone on and he has developed in his career as a lawyer and he's now uh, a barrister and doing very well for himself. But he caught that vision for investing in something deeper. In the intervening period, he has planted a church and led it and established it until it was uh, ready to employ a pastor full time and he could move on. In that period, he became one of the leaders of the, the National Lawyers Christian Fellowship and he invests in encouraging and supporting lawyers who are Christians to live their lives for the Lord. And a little seed and my, the seeds I planted were not the only ones has grown into a life lived for the Lord. I could tell you other stories specifically of lawyer friends who've risen higher and become more prominent. But whose only interest was their own gain. Was to see how high up the, uh, the tree they could climb. And some of them climbed very high. And to enjoy the money that they accumulated far, far beyond what they needed. And I could tell you about the emptiness in their soul. There are decisions that need to be made. There, there is reflection that needs to be done. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, says Jesus. They will not last. They will turn to dust and rags. And you will be the loser. Let every investment of yours beyond your immediate needs be an investment in eternal treasure. I wonder what that means for you. When you go to work, for instance, do you go just to earn the pay packet at the end of the week? Or do you go, as the Apostle Paul tells us, working as for Jesus? Do you go in order to bring glory to God? Does your life have that far richer, deeper purpose? When you speak to friends, are you just building up your own bit of social capital? If I'm nice to them, they'll be nice to me and they'll invite me to the party on the uh, next Saturday and we'll all have a, we'll all have a good time and uh, uh, you know, I'll get some payback. 
or are you investing in that relationship with them to draw them towards that much deeper treasure of knowing Jesus? Because the God who watches will see your motivations and see what you do. And as Jesus says, your heavenly Father will reward you. When you spend your money, will it be just on those little temporary pleasures? And they are temporary. That new iPhone, you know, will be uh, gathering dust as an antiquary in just a few years. Or are you thinking, how can I use the resources that I've got to live? To live for Jesus. To live for God. Perhaps you never thought about this at all. Perhaps, <coughs> excuse me, perhaps there's, you grew up hearing about these things, but it's never really registered in your life. You've never really thought, where is my life going? That has been the, the sort of background noise, but the main theme is I want to I rise as high as I can. I want to earn as much as I can. I want to live in as nice a house as I can. Um, uh, you know, live hard, um, uh, die young, leave a good-looking corpse, um, uh, as Douglas Coupland said, or whatever it is. you've never thought actually those words that I heard they should be the ruling words of my life perhaps this is the first time even you've heard this teaching of Jesus he is not giving it to rob you of your joy he is giving it to you to move into the fullest deepest most secure profound joy and satisfaction you could ever have Be careful, says Jesus, what you invest in. Because if you invested in the wrong place, it can crumble to nothing. But if you invest it in eternity, you will be a person getting steadily, steadily richer throughout your whole life. And on the last day, you will not leave your inheritance. You will go to your inheritance. Be careful what you invest in. Be careful what you look at, he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? To understand Jesus' imagery here, we need to 
reverse our normal thinking in some ways. We think of our eyes as being passive receivers of light pointing uh, out towards the, the world. But uh, think of it in the, uh, in the reverse for a moment. Think of our, uh, think of our eyes um, uh, like light bulbs shining into our bodies. That's the image that he wants us to have. Everything that our eyes sees, that our eyes pass to our visual cortex and then to our wider brain, and that in turn activates all kinds of re responses, some of them reflex, some of them intentional. The sight of food makes dogs salivate. The, uh, the sight of a naked woman makes um, um, arouses men. And um, Reading a book, watching a film, engages the brain and shapes our understanding of this world. What comes in through our eyes then shapes us in all kinds of different ways. Our eyes illuminate our whole life. That's the image that uh, uh, Jesus is using. So be very careful where you look. I mean, there's an obvious um, uh, application to pornography there. There is increasing evidence that the decrease in sexual satisfaction amongst younger people, and it is going down, seems to be directly related to the growth of, of pornography. Images imprinted on people's minds fr of frankly ludicrous approaches to sex leave people permanently disappointed with the real thing. Uh, as Jesus says, how great is that darkness? But it applies elsewhere to, to anything that we that, that we might might desire to have anything that we look at the habit of always looking looking for the house that you might buy one day the habit of spending too much time window shopping or surfing the net for clothes or gadgets or whatever it may be it, these images flood in says Jesus and it is not a neutral activity. They shape us. They, they, they give us an immediate endorphin rush often. That's why we go back to them. But they make us think that we can't do without them. And pretty soon our, our whole life is oriented toward acquiring whatever it is that we have ga been gazing upon. Our eyes are enormously powerful organs, says Jesus. Illuminating the whole of our body. So be careful what you look at. It is not by accident that the New Testament says that we are transformed in a positive way, into the people that God called us to be by gazing upon Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. We all who contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Gaze on Christ. Look, look at Jesus entering our world. 
entering our vulnerability, living us alongside us. That will transform you. Look at him, him, him reaching out in love to the most unlovely, but reaching out to you. That transforms us. Look at him binding up the brokenhearted, healing the wounded, setting people free. Look at him bearing our pain, bearing our shame, being pierced for our transgressions on the cross. Look at him risen from the grave, gathering his friends around a barbecue uh, by, by the beach and beginning to give them a taste of the extraordinary resurrection life in a new heaven and a new earth that he promises people. Look at him risen, exalted at the right hand of God. Ruling over all things, so that the sound of his voice is a roar of a great water, like a roar of a great waterfall, uh, holding us in his hands and keeping us in his hands for all eternity. It is looking to, looking at Jesus, uh, discovering the glory and the beauty and the majesty of who he is. That transforms us primarily. So where are you going to look? If you look, says Jesus, in, a, in an unhealthy direction. Then that unhealth will spread throughout your whole body. Your whole life. And it will come to rule you. But if you turn your eyes, the eyes of your heart, in the most healthy direction you can, towards Jesus, you will find the balm of his love and his forgiveness penetrates throughout your heart. You you will find confidence in his provision growing in your whole life. You will find secure hope getting stronger and stronger in your whole life. And you will find fruitfulness in your life that goes far beyond what you could ever imagine. Because you will find health. Careful where you look, says Jesus. what you invest in. And be careful what you serve. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. me serve anything I'm a free person I'm I'm an autonomous person I nothing rules me no something will rule us and what will rule us is what we believe will provide for us will keep us safe and will provide the greatest satisfaction 
we will follow that thing. We will serve that thing. We cannot help but do it. Because we are bound by that inner rationality that drives us in that direction. And we cannot serve two things at the same time. So we better get it right. No, we, we uh, will love what we serve. We will be devoted to what we serve. Because we believe it will bring us all that we need. And we will find inexorably that we hate what stands opposed to it. And we despise it. So Jesus says, do you believe that the money God will satisfy your every desire. Do you believe it? I fear there will be people here who do. And if you do, your life will be set in a certain direction. And you may acquire a lot of money. And you will certainly worship that God mammon. But you will not find your fulfillment as a human being. And you will not find a hope that stretches beyond the grave. You may be nominally a Christian. You may nominally say, no, I believe in God. But Jesus says you will be lying to yourself and to the world. Because you can only have one God in your life. So the real God is hated and despised by you. And that will show itself. Or do you believe Jesus? Jesus who has warned us. What at least the best songs of the last half century have told us. offers illusion, illusory benefits. The deepest things that will not supply them.
if you are persuaded of that, put your trust in the living God. Set out to serve him. And you will not be disappointed when you do. Jesus wants to renovate our hearts. Jesus wants to reorient our hearts. Jesus wants to restore our hearts. Jesus wants us to, to, to bring our hearts alive. And he says, money and everything it represents will kill you, will destroy you. The God of Jesus Christ As I was wrestling with how to finish this, I, I came across um, John Piper's excellent book, Don't Waste Your Life. If you haven't read it, get it and read it. Um, it's an excellent book. And I relate, related deeply to his sentiments, and I thought I'd rather read them from him because I'm a repressed Englishman. And um, so I'll let him speak for me. He writes, as I write this, I'm 57 years old. I'm 59. And as the months go by, I relate, relate to more and more people who are young enough to be my sons and daughters. You, you may be in that category. I have four sons and one daughter. He says I have uh, one daughter and two sons. Few things, if any, fill me with more longing these months and years than the longing that my children not waste their life on fatal success. This longing trans transfers very easily to you, especially if you're in your 20s or 30s. I see you as it were like a son or a daughter and I plead with you as a father. Perhaps of a father who loves you dearly or, or the father you never had. Or the father who never had a vision for you like I have for you or God has for you. Or the father who has a vision for you but it's all about money and status. I plead with you. Desire that your life count for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without a passion. Don't waste your life.
Heavenly Father, there are some of us here bowed before you who can rejoice that many years ago, those words of Jesus captivated us. And we can already sense the liberty and joy and satisfaction from putting you first, from storing up treasure in heaven. Some of us here, Lord, who, for whom the, this is an early stage of beginning to take stumbling steps in following Jesus. Lord, encourage us, we pray. Lord, strengthen our resolve. Lord, show us how we need to change. Lord, encourage us along the way. Lord, give us people, perhaps people even in this church, who will help us and support us to live the way that Jesus calls us to. And Lord, there are some of us for whom we haven't yet begun that journey. Maybe even thinking we can ride two horses, we can serve both God and money. Maybe not yet persuaded, Lord, that treasure in heaven is worth investing in. Impress this 2,000-year-old life-transforming teaching on our hearts, we pray. Give us life. Give us purpose. Give us a passion, we ask. And set us on the road to you. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name.